Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Audrey Rinlisbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. We had a wonderful event last weekend, the Mothers of Vision MDM celebration event. We got to hear from many of the level one and level two graduates via their videos and written entries about their experiences. It was super fun. Broke out into mentoring groups and had lots of positive feedback. I wanna share with you what a few women said about their experience. This is Andrea Peterson. It was a life-changing event. I learned things that I plan on using again and again for myself and my family. Melissa Meldrum said, It was a wonderful weekend learning alongside my friends. I gained clarity and direction I've been searching for and have already started putting the skills into practice to improve my daily life. Cammie Jensen said, I left the celebration feeling so completely uninspired and invigorated. I'm so excited to use what I learned to bless the lives of myself, my family, and friends. And only a few days, I'm already seeing positive changes in my life from incorporating what I learned. Kim said, what a glorious day of celebration and learning, even more fun with friends. It was uplifting and enlightening. I loved it. And one last one, Kelly said, the Mothers of Vision event gave me the opportunity and time to connect with myself and God. I was able to rediscover with greater clarity some of the missions and purposes God's planted in my heart for my life. The vision walk was one of the most powerful experiences of the event for me. The event was wonderful. Thank you. So we still have as of this recording, and hopefully by the time it's released next week, there will still be a few spots available for those that are just listening to this. The 26th of September we have our last live Mothers of Vision MDM celebration. I think we had maybe 10 spots left as of the last counting, something like that. So if they're still available when this is released, we'd love to have you there. And if not, of course, the recordings will be available within the next couple of weeks and you can go back and review everything that was taught. There's, I think, 13 or so individual video trainings with assignments after each one. And so you go on this logical path from introduction through vision walk and then through the visualization process into obstacles, true statements, habit systems, and create an action plan. And there's a workbook that's included with that with the assignment space to write. Your action plan is in the back. Your principles are in the back, the 10 principles of of vision. So love to have you join us. Or if you're listening to this later, we those recordings are available at themissiondrivenmom.com. You can purchase them. They're really inexpensive and still benefit from that material. For the next few minutes, I want to have a little heart-to-heart with you about something that maybe you don't struggle with, but I really struggle with it, and it is self-doubt. Self-doubt is the enemy, our enemy, a big enemy to peace of mind, to happiness, joy, fulfillment, purpose, goal setting, envisioning, moving forward, just feeling good about yourself. Like it is so incredibly destructive. And I have just learned more and more about 
how I just keep self-sabotaging through self-doubt. And I never thought about it as, I know this word is going to sound kind of strong when I say it, but as a temptation, because it is something I feel like I'm tempted to do. Now, whether that's because it's a really bad mental habit or because there are, you know, evil forces that plant wrong ideas. It is something that can be a default for me and it's so destructive. And I haven't really understood until, you know, the last while, last few years, just how incredibly destructive it is. So this all kind of, well, I've been fighting it through truth statements, but I came across this scripture that gave me even greater insight. This is in James in the New Testament, six, one, six through eight. So first it's talking about, it's been talking about, you know, if you have a question, if there's something you need to know, you can ask God, he'll answer you. He'll, he'll tell you what you need. And then it says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. So I can ask God anything I want and and I can expect an answer, but if I waver, I won't get it. So wavering, the definition is to play or move to and fro, to move one way or the other, to fluctuate to be unsettled in opinion, to vacillate, to be undetermined, to totter, to reel, to be in danger of following, of falling. So I never thought about doubt this way until I reread this and it just really hit me like if I if I have some, you know, righteous desire, and we talk about this at the Mothers of Vision event, and and I or or I have an, a, a really compelling question I need answered. And I go talk to God about it and I ask him. But then I waver, which means I'm undecided. I'm unsettled in my opinion. I'm undetermined. I'm vacillating or fluctuating. Now, how would I do that? How would I waver? Like, I, I'm sure I want this thing. or I, Maybe I'm not sure I want it. Maybe I'm not sure it's a good thing to want. So, the, I mean, that's the first thing to get clear. But there's been plenty of times in my life where there was no question in my mind like the, that God would prefer me to have a happier marriage or he would, you know, prefer whatever, you know, a situation to go better or me to be able to draw close to a child or whatever it was or for our finances to improve. I, I didn't question whether or not God would want that. And so I didn't think that, I thought that I had faith. But the wavering <laughs> happens, which I've come to see very clearly, when I doubt that it will happen. Either that God will answer me, or that I'll be able to recognize the answer, or that I'll be able to execute on it, or that things will come about the way that I'm hoping that they will. Because, of course... We know that one of the things that's very scriptural is to doubt not and fear not. Like those are the great enemies. And it's interesting to me now, 
here we are into, you know, the 21st century and all the scientific data shows just how mentally eroding doubt and fear are and that they have physical manifestations. We know this because more and more people are depressed and anxious. And so these things are being manifest and we can't always control everything and some things are biological, but we definitely contribute to the problem through the things that we decide to focus on and through our doubts and fears. And so this is what's so fascinating. <laughs> this is where it's really gonna, you're really gonna see what I'm saying here. So if you look up the definition of doubt, guess what the first phrase is? Number one, to waver or fluctuate an opinion. So I didn't realize this until I started looking more deeply into it, but waver and doubt are like synonyms, like really close synonyms. So much so that the first definition of doubt is to waver. And remember, down with waver, it said be unsettled in opinion, and this is to fluctuate in opinion. To doubt is to hesitate, to be in suspense, to be in uncertainty, uh, especially respecting the truth or the facts to be undetermined. And that word undetermined was exactly the same word it used with waver. And so you think you've made up your mind, but when you make up your mind, to decide means to cut off. So you, you cut off all the other options. This is what is going to happen. And I think sometimes we think that faith is like just kind of throwing it out there and just saying, you know, if God wants it to happen, and we don't understand that faith is actually this very committed, focused, intentional, stalwart, active behavior. You're very active when you're faithful. Not just in terms of, well, I do these behaviors. And sometimes I feel like we, you know, it's easier, honestly, to just like kneel down and just like ramble off a prayer or to like even just show up at church and talk with your friends. Those things, of course, it's way better to do them than not do them, but we can do them with a pretty disconnected heart and mind. Like we can do them without really focusing on something intentional that we're bringing about. Faith is really, it's about action. It, and it's, it's about tapping into God's power and utilizing it in our lives. And so when, when God says, you know, the verse before in five, he just says, you know, ask and it will be given to you. I'm no respecter of persons. Like I will answer your questions. And then, but right after that, but I will answer your questions, but you have to ask in faith, nothing wavering. You can not doubt. You cannot fluctuate in your opinion. You can't decide, you know, that you, it sounded like a good idea for a little while. And now you're not going to believe that anymore. You're going to turn your back on it. You're going to give up on it, or you're going to stop acting intentionally and just hope that God just brings it about in your life. The second definition of doubt is to fear, to be apprehensive and to suspect. So, you know, one of these words to hesitate, well, you can't be decisive and intentional if you're hesitating. Like those are two different behaviors, whether they're mental behaviors or physical behaviors. I mean, imagine, imagine someone who has decided to go for a walk. Well, if he, 
if he or she is out there and walks a little bit and then stops and walks a little bit and stops. I mean, imagine that you're watching this person and they said they were going to go for a walk, but then they just walk a little bit and then they lean up against a fence and then they just kind of wait and then they do that again and maybe they backpedal a little bit. And then, you know, if after watching this for a little while, you would walk out to them and be like, I thought you were going to go for a walk. But actually, they're not walking. They're hesitating. They're fluctuating in their opinion. They haven't actually decided anything. And therefore, they can't actually act, on, act faithfully. You know, they're not exercising faith. They can't just go for a walk because faith is action. Because they're hesitating and they're fearing. <laughs> Um, to hesitate in your belief is also doubt to distrust to withhold confidence from a fluctuation of mind respecting truth or propriety arising from defective knowledge or evidence we talk a lot about the connection between evidence and faith in level one that's a really important concept that we've got to look for faith in order to look look for evidence in order to uphold our faith. So yeah, you know, you're going to doubt if you don't have sufficient evidence. So go look for evidence. But when you've decided a course, you cannot waver. And God, you know, you tie his hands. He can't participate with you in the solution of your problems. And he can't send down blessings and answers and help. You know, he can't help you walk more briskly or completely or have it bless your body. I mean, how is that principle going to be manifest in your life if you never just actually go on the walk? If all you do is keep hesitating, well then, yeah, you're not actually living the principle. You're not actually acting in faith. So, he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Here's the next verse. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Oh. So I read that. I was like, oh, that's brutal, man. So you go to God and you're trying to work something out and you want to move forward in your life, but you're just doubting all the time. And so you can't expect that he can help you. He cannot help you until you decide what you're about. And I'm going to get in in just a minute into how the self-doubt plays a huge role in this and why that's so destructive. So I'm going to say that again. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. This isn't the Lord saying, this isn't God saying, look, I don't want to help you because you're wavering or doubting. Like, you know, I'm just going to withdraw my like, services from you. He's teaching a law. He's saying, this is how it works. That's the opposite of faith. And so I can only work with people that have faith. And because you're not acting in faith, I just, you've tied my hands. I just cannot help you. I'm sorry, I wish I could, but don't expect any help when you're doubting and fearing all the time. So, you know, we want, we want all kinds of good things, things that God would want for us, but we don't really believe that they can happen for us. And we spend our time doubting and fearing. So of course they don't happen because of course we don't brainstorm solutions and act faithfully on them because we don't believe it. We don't believe the thing can come about. And so why would we act in faith? We only act in faith when we make a decision and we believe I will do this thing. This thing will happen. And then we get busy participating in making it happen. So then here's the last verse in James. 
that's also quite painful. So we're supposed to ask, but we can't waver. And if we're wavering, we can't expect that God will be able to help us at all. And then it says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And this is where it really, man, hit me between the eyes. Double-minded means having different minds at different times, unsettled, wavering, unstable, undetermined. Okay, so what I realized, I wrote these down in my prayer journal, and I was writing all about them, and I was thinking about them, and I realized that when I doubt myself, when I'm in self-doubt, now you would think this would be fine. You would think, okay, don't doubt God, but it's okay to doubt yourself. Because you're fallible and you're human and all of this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, that's fine if you doubt yourself. Well, when you're doubting, when you're in a frame of reference of doubting, you're double-minded. So you're trying to bring about two things at the same time and that's impossible. So nothing happens because you just run around in circles, right? Like now you want it to happen, now you don't, and now you believe it will happen. So you act in faithful ways and then you throw in the towel and you don't believe it can happen. And so you just give up and then you do just, you know, things that are destructive or things that aren't constructive toward this thing you want to have happen. And so it just falls apart. And so when I was journaling about this, this is what I realized that was so incredibly helpful for me that I just wanted to take a few minutes and share with you today. There's two kinds of self-doubt we could have that I can think of. One is the kind of self-doubt where, you know, and for me, the self-doubt comes a lot in the past. Like I'll look at current circumstances and I'll think, well, I don't like where things are at right now. So I'll look to the past and I'll think of all the things that I did wrong and the decisions that I made that might have contributed. And it's very, very destructive. And it's destructive for a lot of reasons that I didn't really realize until, until recently when I really started digging deeper into this. I've been working on being better at it, but understanding why it's so destructive has actually been even more helpful. So we could, we could have self-doubt because we haven't paid a price to really make a clear, good decision. Okay, so that's legitimate. So pay that price, you know, like pray, believe God will answer you. Like you can have perfect faith in God. You can believe that he's great and that he loves you and that he'll answer you. Okay, so you could, you could then get to a point where you make a decision. And then you act. And here's where it really starts to fall apart. You act and then sometimes maybe things go well in the moment, but then five years later you think, oh, maybe they didn't. That, that's, that's what happens to me. Five years later, I think, oh, well, you know, this is like we've moved several times. So this is a big one for me. So I, I look back and I think, oh, well, see all these. I don't like what's happening right now in this moment. And it must be because we move because then I'll start entertaining all these ideas about how things would have been different if we wouldn't have moved and how they probably would have been better because X, Y, Z would have probably happened and we wouldn't find ourselves in this circumstance right now. And that is really super destructive. And here's why. Because when I do that, I really cut my legs out from under me because what I know is that I never moved unless I really paid a spiritual price. 
to try to come to the best decision I knew how to make in the circumstances I was in with the amount of knowledge that I had. Like I didn't just wake up one day and say, well, I'm going to move. And then I just did it. You know, I was methodical. I would sometimes take months to think it through and pray over it and ask lots of questions and find about out about, you know, the new place or we were going to build a new home or whatever the, whatever the situation was. But when I start to look at my current circumstances and then I start to doubt my past decisions, I make it impossible for myself to have confidence in the present. And that's what really helped me turn a corner with this because I realized that every time I do that, every time I doubt myself and my commitment to, you know, like whether it was choosing to homeschool or putting a child in a certain school or, you know, being in a certain like relationship or, or whatever, whatever it might have been, if I didn't, and this is where the second kind of doubt comes in, self-doubt, if I didn't pay a price, then I probably should try to fix it, right? Like if, if you did something that you, in, even in the moment you knew you were kind of going contrary to your conscience and you were doing something you knew you shouldn't do, well then you just need to, you just need to do your best to, to fix it, right? So confess it and fix it. That's how you get over that kind of self-doubt. The self-doubt that says, you know, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done this or that, or maybe I shouldn't do this or that. You know, if it's in the past and you knew better, then fix it and forgive yourself. If it's in the present and you're doubting yourself, pay a price to know. But if you're doing this thing like I do, where I worry about past decisions that I tried to make conscientiously the best I knew how, and I'm letting the past spoil the present because I'm allowing myself to doubt the past decisions that I made, just know how destructive that is. And just know that you are going to totally undermine your ability to be confident in the present and to make decisions moving forward. Because that's what I realized was so incredibly destructive. Because then I started thinking, well, so then how do I know that I'm making this decision right or that decision right? And I would start totally rethinking like my current life. Not everything about it, but like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be involved with this and maybe I shouldn't be doing that. And maybe I'm making this decision wrong and that decision wrong because if I was just kind of a disaster in the past and it's clear that I made a lot of horrible decisions that have, you know, whatever bad consequences now, then I'm just eroding my ability to have confidence in my current ability to think things through, to do my homework, to say my, you know, my prayer of clarity and then move forward. And I cannot live an intentional, you know, envisioning life, I cannot move toward the righteous desires God has for me in my life unless I have a, a healthy amount of confidence in my ability to work with God. Not that I can do it on my own, but that I can hear him when it's important, that I'm acting as conscientiously as I can, that I'm seeking him out and asking him to help me. And so I just, this was so helpful for me. If there's somebody out there that this is helpful for, I'll be so glad and so grateful because 
it's brought me a a lot of unhappiness I didn't need to experience. It kind of reminds me of a, of a, a Mark Twain quote where he said, and this is very much paraphrasing, but he said, I've experienced a lot of horrible things in my life. I've, I've lived, I've had a lot of horrible experiences in, in my life, a few of which actually happened. And that's how I feel. Like, I was creating pain I didn't need to experience. I was second guessing myself in so many ways that was just causing all kinds of pain and doubting past decisions. And I, I just have to just let it be what it is. First of all, I can't change it. But second of all, you know, I did try to make good decisions and I didn't have as much information as I have now. And maybe I would make a different decision now, but it's not now it's then it's in the past it's gone it's over and I'm not one of those people that's going to say oh just you know let the past be the past there are legitimate you know bad choices that we may have really made in which case we should probably fix them other than that don't allow yourself to doubt those things because it will undermine your ability to be confident now you need to know that you're an incredible daughter of God who is really trying hard to make good decisions. And you can't choose the outcome of those decisions. You can only make the best decisions that you know how to make. And other people have to do with that decision, whatever they're going to do with it. They have their freedom to choose. They can like it or dislike it. They can choose to be happy or not. They can choose to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons or not you're not responsible for that you're just responsible for making the best decisions that you can make and self-doubt is really the enemy because it keeps us from being able to really confidently partner with God in moving forward in our lives to conscientiously infuse more principles into our lives and and experience the blessings and let You know, leave the drama behind us and be the creators we were put here to be and create all the good that needs to be created. The world needs more intentional creators. So I want to end with some, some, a couple really awesome things from Norman Vincent Peale that tie back into what I've been saying. This has been helpful for me. I hope it's helpful for you. He says, the greatest secret for eliminating the inferiority complex, which is another term for a profound self-doubt. So you just, people might call it inferiority complex, but it's really just us doubting ourselves, doubting our capacity, doubting our, I mean, I've been talking a lot about decision-making, but we can doubt our gifts and talents. We can doubt our capacities. We can doubt um, that people will help us, all of those things this profound self-doubt, this greatest secret for eliminating it is to fill your mind to the overflowing with faith, which of course is what we just read in James, right? Develop a tremendous faith in God and that will give you a humble yet soundly realistic faith in yourself. How do you acquire this dynamic faith? Well, the answer begins with the study of the scriptures and the use of prayer, lots of prayer. And I will say I have done that and It's helpful to increase my faith, but also for God to be able to communicate more clarity to me, like 
these insights that help me clear it up permanently and help me really identify that underlying principle that any kind of self, that self-doubt is also a form of doubting and fearing, and it's also contrary to faith, and I can't afford to get in the way of the ways God would like to use me. And self-doubt is really just a way of getting in the way. It's a way of me making God's purposes about me. And if I'll just get out of the way and stop making it about me and just know that because this is laying on my heart and because I feel called to do it, a way is going to be open. And I don't need to open that way. God will open the way, but I just need to walk through the door. And that kind of courage comes from, you know, getting rid of this self-doubt, just just not making it about you. Because that is just another way of being a victim, right? And, and getting ourselves back in drama, just do the thing. <laughs> anyway, lots of prayer. The scriptures say, according to your faith, be it unto you. The bigger your problem, the bigger your prayer should be. Drive your prayers deep into your doubts, into your fears and insecurities. Pray deep, big prayers that have plenty of strength and you will come up with a powerful and vital faith. It's also helpful to go to a competent spiritual advisor, a minister, a priest, or a rabbi for instruction in the ability to make faith work for you as a skill. Like any skill, it must be studied and practiced to be perfect, and I have really found that to be the case. That faith is something that we have to actively work at. I've studied it extensively for many, many years, and that has really begun to pay off. I see it in my ability to get out of God's way more and more, to let him bring people and opportunities to, to me to, to help us work together in moving the work forward, all of those kinds of things. It's really, it really is a skill anyone can develop, but you can't just think, well, I don't have it, so that's it. It's just something you develop throughout your life. The cure for self-doubt is the thought that you are not alone in this world, that Almighty is actually with you, helping you that he will be your companion, that he will stand by you, support you, and see you through every adversity. And I've got to say, I really believe that suicide rates and depression rates and anxiety rates are on the rise societally as as a direct result of loss of faith. To believe that you're here all by yourself, to believe that you don't have the help and support that you need, especially when you're in a family situation where you don't feel that kind of unconditional love and acceptance, and to not believe in a God that's there for you, of course people plunge into devastation and fear and doubt and and depression. He goes on, "To to practice this belief, simply affirm, God is with me. God is helping me. God is guiding me. Spend several minutes each day visualizing God's presence. Love that. Of course, we're just coming off this Mother's Vision event. And visualization is a, spirit, it is a spiritual principle. It is, it is, uh, it, it's, you cannot unlink it from faith. I don't know how better to say that. It is integral part of exercising faith is to have vision. And in fact, the word vision scripturally in the Bible is always about God giving you like a call, an image, a, a picture of what he needs you to know or what you need to do. 
So it is a, in its essence, a spiritual idea to have vision and visualizing God being with you and imagining him with you. I mean, how better to draw on the greatest power there is. Again, spend several minutes each day visualizing God's presence, then practice believing that affirmation. Go about your business on the assumption that what you have affirmed and visualized is absolutely true. The release of power and confidence, which this procedure stimulates will astonish you. And as you grow in this practice and as you become better at it, then you will be gifted more clarity in terms of the vision of what you need to be working on next. Then he goes on to tell a story, which I wanted to share with you as we finish up. Let me tell you about a method one man discovered. This man once went around with the feeling that something terrible was going to happen to him. It made his life miserable. Of course, his mind was saturated with a sense of inferiority. This mental state was reflected in his business, which was doing poorly. But then he hit upon a plan which knocked all those thoughts out of his mind. A plan which allowed him to live with a sense of confidence in himself and in life. I'm a traveling salesman, he explained, and I drive around all day calling on my customers. I discovered that while a person drives, he or she thinks all kinds of thoughts. And this made me think about all those years when I had a lot of little ones around me all day long. And of course, I thought about them and I was engaged with them, but there was a lot of like cooking dinner, doing laundry, folding laundry, all those kinds of things, nursing a baby, whatever it was, where I just was thinking. I mean, even today, I still have, you know, quiet times where I'm just thinking. And those thoughts need to be controlled. If the, he goes on, if the pattern of thought is negative, one will think many negative thoughts during the day. And that's the way I used to be, he said. I used to drive around all day between calls with my mind full of fear and defeat. And that is one of the reasons my work has gone as, was going so poorly. Then he showed me his plan in his glove compartment where he kept a pack of small cards. He chose one and clipped it on the instrument panel of his car. It read, if you have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. He pulled out another card, which read, if God be for us, who can be against us? He told me that as he drove around, he memorized these thoughts. He said, I've learned to think differently as a result of this practice. The old insecurities that used to haunt me are just about all gone now. And instead of thinking thoughts of defeat and despair, I think thoughts of faith and courage. It is really wonderful the way this method has changed me. It has helped my business too. For how can you expect to make a sale if you approach a customer thinking you're going to fail? Uh, Peel finishes off. This plan is a very wise one. By filling his mind with affirmations of the presence, support, and help of God, this man actually changed his thought processes. He put an end to the domination of his long-held sense of insecurity. His potential powers were uh, feelings of confidence. And so he just put this little clip on his car. He pulled a card out and he read it and he memorized it. And all day long, he just repeated to himself these thoughts of power that God was with him, that God would help him overcome, that God would help him defeat all enemies and temptations. And, you know, I just really believe that this propensity in me to doubt myself is a huge stumbling block. And while I believe it's probably, you know, like a weakness of mine, I also know that it's, it's a temptation to, to go down that road and to allow myself to doubt 
And when I'm doubting, I'm not full of faith and God can't use me. And I can look back and see that when I've given sway to those doubts for very long, that it started to be destructive in my work, in my work as a mother, as a wife, here at the Mission Driven Mom, as an author, whatever good works I was trying to do, as long as I was telling myself that I couldn't make good decisions and that I didn't know what I was doing and that I wasn't getting the results and so I must have done things wrong in the past and that I couldn't really trust myself to make good decisions, that I was unable to be of service to God and to his children. And if that's my greatest desire, of course he wants to use me. He wants to use anyone who has that desire. So I want to challenge you. If you are making the best decisions you know how to make, if you're out there getting all the information you need to get and thinking things through and weighing the options and counseling with wise people and then going to God and working out the details and then you move forward, you have faith you trust, God's going to make up the difference. Don't allow yourself to just stop in the middle of this beautiful morning walk that you planned on taking and to just kind of stand there dumbly accomplishing nothing because I have done that many times. And actually, that's what I end up regretting is that I let myself get in the way again. So Think about this. I would love for those of you that belong to our Facebook group for you to share. You could go there or you could go to the website on the notes on this podcast and and comment about maybe times in your life when you've struggled and you've had self-doubt and how destructive it's been or ways that you've overcome it and it's been of help to you. But for me, just an understanding of how destructive it is and how it gets in the way and how I just debilitate myself and my ability to move forward in the present. Hopefully that's of help to you in your journey here, in your attempts to live more principles and be a mission-driven mom. If this was helpful, we would love to have a review, to have you share it out with friends or family that might benefit from it so that we can continue to grow our podcast. Thank you for all those who have been sharing it out. If you don't belong to our Facebook group, the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group, we would love to see you there. And if you haven't gotten your copy of the Mission Driven Life audiobook, you can still do that for just a few more weeks at themissiondrivenmom.com. And of course, we'd love to see you at the Mothers of Vision retreat uh, online <laughs> on the 26th or to have you purchase those recordings and benefit from that information. I will see you next time.